Welcome to Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. This podcast is a collection of historical and philosophical references, contemplations, lectures, and exchanges with David M. Valadez, his students, and guests. Podcasts are recorded on the mat at the Ascension Center in Southern California and in studio. These podcasts are provided to cultivate the warrior on the way and to add light to their path. Okay, so the question was, um, so we're doing rolling right now. And you can see we have a lot of beginners in the class, okay? There's a huge diversity of skill set on the mat right now. Um, so we're, we're doing a kind of micro-environment. There was a... play okay so there was no striking nobody's armed um, there's no takedowns you were starting one person was in the closed guard tasked with getting to mount or submission and the other person using the closed guard was tasked with getting to side control or mount or submission. And you just kind of work that way. And ideally, um, we were going to take advantage um, of the variation in skill levels, okay? And what I wanted you to do, as you remember, the additional instructions, like you more senior people, um, don't trash the newer people. Try to get a more sophisticated um, technique of counter and that kind of stuff. Try to be more practicing of non-contestation. Do you see? Don't force it. Don't play the pressure game. Don't smother them. Um, don't even play a game. Is what I would rather see when you're working out with some people that are much lower than you in skill. So you don't want to play a game. You don't want to do dilemmas. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to work the, uh, um, like I, I looked over, I saw you work in the, the knee pull and the, the arm cross drag and, and, you know, trying to work that one, get them on that second step and sweep them. Like, I, d I don't want you to do that. I'd rather that you just uh, harmonize yin and yang and come up with stuff. Uh, try to get lost in the art, so to speak. Don't don't go from landmark to landmark. Okay. And so, as you're tasked with that, uh, there's something that is being impacted by the diversity of the community we have on the mat currently. So, for example. Um, you, uh, V, were talking about, like, you're, you told us not to muscle, and I found myself muscling. Um, it goes from the diversity. So you have someone that has more technical skill, but you were stronger then, do you see? So you started to rely on uh, just out-muscling, which would not be non-contestation. That would be the, the definition of what is antithetical to non-contestation, okay? But it comes from the diversity on the mat. Um, if you had, for example, someone who was skilled and stronger than you or your strength, you, you wouldn't have been doing anything, do you see? So that could be those days when you need to take breaks because Taylor's thrashing you. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and then over here we had that you went for a leg lock and um, you didn't feel that it was tight or comfortable, right? Yeah. And that goes back to this diversity, okay, in the community. And I don't mean diversity like you know, woke politics, 
Okay, that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is that a community in a dojo is one of the three uh, tools that you use to cultivate yourself. Okay, so the first tool is the teacher. The main tool is the teacher. The second tool is the teaching. Okay, and then the third tool is the community. And what do I mean by tool? Uh, if you are, if you, uh, using an analogy here, if you are a sword and the dojo is there to sharpen you, do you see? These are the sharpening stones, okay? Um, I want to hear talk about the way that a community can um, suck as a sharpening stone. And one way that it can suck is it's too diverse, okay? What I mean by that is that we are too varied in our skill. And if you go beyond that, we are too varied in our skill because we are too varied in our commitment, okay? And as a result, for example, we have not gone into very deeply the leg locks, for example. To me, they're supplemental to other things because they tend to thrive in certain environments and not thrive in other environments. That makes them supplemental. So for example, um, knowing how to stabilize your mount, your top position, is going to be important whether you allow for strikes or don't allow for strikes, whether you allow for weapons or you don't allow for weapons. Do you see that? But leg locks tend to um, be less viable as the environment moves away from just straight grappling, especially straight grappling um, where you can start without a throw or a takedown. Okay, that when you when you move away from just straight grappling. We're on a padded thing. Um, there's only one guy. You know, you're making a specific environment, and then the lo the leg locks start to become very viable. If you start to manipulate that environment at all, so you you allow for multiple attackers, then the leg locks don't are not as viable. Or you allow for striking, they're not as viable. Um, or you allow for weapons, they're just not viable at all. So the, hence, they're supplemental to where we're headed. And for that reason, we have to address a base, okay? We're going to address the base. And because we have a community that is very diverse in its commitment, we have to repeatedly stick and stay with the base because they cannot move beyond it. And as a result, you can't get to the supplemental stuff. Do you see? And that is why it felt uncomfortable. It's, it's not just because you haven't done it as much. There is a whole institutional or social reason on why you cannot get that information. Does that make sense? So this problem of um, the community being too diverse is what I want to talk about, okay? You want to look at why, why it is diverse, okay? And we can contrast this with my, with my own teacher's, can't you say, community. There really was no diversity. 
Okay. Um, subjectively, intuitively, what it felt like to me was that he never compromised. Um, it was every Deshi's job to reach par. Okay. It wasn't his job to lower the bar to start including everybody in it. Okay. We have a sign over the door that speaks to that spirit that you're here to change you. You're not here to change the dojo. Okay. I'm kind of giving you a heads up. We will have a little dip in dojo integrity and thus a little opening for community diversity in terms of commitment. Every time we allow a trial member into the dojo, that is the reason why we don't take as many trial members as contact me and why we only take them so many times a year. Because the training, in essence, has to become a lie, is really what it is. Meaning, it is so watered down for this person, not only so that they can practice it safely, but so that they're not overwhelmed by the stress of real training so that they can actually obtain and receive the information and not go into condition black or vapor lock where nothing is tapped into. Do you see? But that is, that is all a lie. It reminds me of uh, the pictures they used to take. I watched these pictures of, of my teacher and they just love the ones where he's smiling or laughing or hugging a baby. Do you know what I mean? That's not how I remember him at all, but I don't feel the need to remember him that way. Did I know he did that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, he did it with my own daughter. When Priscilla was born, he met her, right? He held her. He played with her. That's, that's, those are not the pictures in this dojo of him, are they? The, the picture we have, he's in Zazen, like a mountain, unmoving. He's in Pudoshin. Because that's who he was. He wasn't, and I didn't need him to be this gentle thing. So, sooner or later, every trial member is going to be introduced to the real dojo, the real teacher. And what always happens in this dojo is many of you get shocked again. Oh, oh, yeah, that, that's my sensei. It's kind of understandable for the new trial member because we set it up that way. We don't, there, there's just no choice. I think if your art is safe enough that you could practice it as it is for somebody that's just walking in the door from first world modern California, then I don't think it's very lethal, like automatically. Your art should be of such lethality that that person, if I even did 10% of my throwing power, they'd be dead. So, of course, when they feel a little bit of it, more and more, 
It's a call for more commitment. It's a call for more commitment so that you can receive not the watered down thing for people that have no commitment. Trial members. That's what a trial member is. I cannot commit. I got to shop around. Think about where we started as a, as a practice. You used to have to wait outside for days before you could be let in the dojo. Going back to my teacher, that's how he started. He had to go sit outside in the rain. And they just let him sit there for days. Till they're like, who's that guy? Let him in. And the story I heard is Osensei walked in past him and goes, who's that guy outside? Oh, he's been there for some days. Okay, let him in. Look at what we do. Try some classes. It's all for free. We're going to loan you everything. Jeez Louise. What a bunch of crap. The only saving grace is I get to weed out the weirdos. The people you can tell, just, just you have no chance. You got to take advantage of reincarnation, man. You got to go pass away, spend some time as a cockroach, maybe a rabbit, do some good things as a rabbit, and then try again because there's no way you can do this this time. But after that, again, what, what kind of lunacy is it wherein I can train here or there and be capable of receiving the art of somebody who's been training for decades, four to six hours a day? Who are you effing kidding? But again, you can kind of expect it still, you see, because there's so much misinformation. The whole martial arts world is selling the idea that it can be a pastime thing, you see. You kind of do it here or there. It's something you do. It's like a hobby. You just do it because you like it. Or even if you come in for martial reasons, it's the practical stuff doesn't take forever to learn. You can get pretty good in six months. Like, I, this is so ridiculous. That's like when we, tr when we uh, train law enforcement officers. Can you imagine that? Oh, you have six months on. Sure, you know everything. Get out there. Go. Conventional wisdom, even in law enforcement, is about 10 years. You're kind of okay. There's still a whole bunch you're going to have to ask help for. And you know, it's like a trick. Because all that happens in 10 years is you finally get comfortable asking for help. That's really what happens. You can't know it all. You have to be in a perpetual state of learning. In 10 years, you learn, I, I can't know it all. That's the trick. So I have to keep studying, and I have to build networks. I have to keep training. But here we are in the martial arts world, and you're like, oh, short, easy lessons. Got it. Check. I'm going to go Netflix now. I'm going to go out. Okay, but again, you can kind of understand it, you see, for that new person, because that's what they're being sold. But every time we have a trial member and the dojo takes this huge deviation where basically it's like sensei holding a baby. 
You know what I mean? It's like you're, you're that's me. I'm holding a trial member. Do you get it? That's what I'm doing. I'm holding a little baby. And you guys all go, oh, look how nice my teacher is. He's so sweet. And then you'll forget where you are. You're in the lion's den. The lions eat things, tear things apart. What things? Weak things. Well, then it begs the question, why am I weak? Well, it comes back to my commitment. But there's something else. It's not just a question of, I need to find more discipline for more commitment. It's a particular type of commitment that I think you've missed, okay? I think your commitment that goes in waves and looks for sensei holding babies is that you haven't grown out of the trial member phase where the art is something you do. Like it's a hobby. It's not yet a practice the way that I mean a practice. The way that I refer to it as a kind of asceticism or, or the way I say your religiosity must be based in a practice. It cannot be just an intellectual comprehension. So for example... As a trial member, a new person, you understand that you're not supposed to be muscling. But that's an intellectual comprehension. There's no practice to it. Why do we have to have a practice to it? Because an intellectual comprehension is not the same thing as being. We're not looking to understand non-contestation. We are looking to become non-contestation. We are looking to be non-contestation. And to be something, I can't dabble in it. To be something is the question of who you are. And who you are is what you do most. Now, if you're here and you come an hour or two a week to try to practice non-contestation, but all the other hours of the week, you're practicing contest. In all the ways that the ego tripartite is triggered and the will to power is to put into motion, this is all contestation. What are you going to do when you come here for those one to two hours? You're going to just compete. You're just going to contest. So today I'm training new deputies and I'm talking about a kind of Cultural misunderstanding in law enforcement. And there's a cultural common understanding that says, don't have anything in your gun hand. And you ask someone, why do they tell me that? And they'll say, because you might have to draw very quickly under ambush conditions. And now you have something in your hand. It looks like it makes sense. But it forgets the law of repetition. You take the average deputy that graduates from the academy and they have had probably more consistent and more reps in drawing their handgun 
than a seasoned deputy who's been out of the academy for a while because you have to do it. You have to do 40 hours of firearms training, you see, and you're getting all these reps, drawing, 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 drawing. Well, to draw your handgun, you need to open your hand. You need to open your hand to grip the grip. You need to open your hand to work the retention devices. If you have something in your hand, all those reps of opening your hand will kick in. You won't have to think about dropping anything because you will automatically go to open your hand to work your retention devices and grab the grip of the handgun. It will not be in your hand because that's what you do most, open my hand. But you put that ticket book, for example, in your support hand, which has no reps really opening. Support hand closes on the gun. Under stress, what do you see? Those people try to get a master grip, a two-hand grip. They're still holding the ticket book. They got the handgun and the ticket book in their hand. Or they know they're holding the ticket book, and now they're shooting one-handed. Why can't they open the support hand? Because they don't have reps holding something in that hand and dropping it. Because why? What do they do most of the time? Not that. So what are you doing most of the time in your life? Contestation. What are you going to do when you show up here? These little minority hours. Contestation. Why? That's who you are. Why? Because that's what you do most of the time. It's like that, that commitment starts to become a big deal at a practical level. But again, how do I understand this? How do I actually make most of my day, most of my time, most of my life the practice? Well, I'll tell you what. It's not by chasing goals. It's, it's, it's actually by not trying to achieve something. When you make a goal... There's no way this is a life. You're, you're like, I, I want to learn how to do this sweep. Or I want to move up on the dojo hierarchy. Or I want my hakama. There's, there's no way. Now you're doing it wrong. It has to be like breathing. What I mean is you don't go around going, I want to take my next breath. You just breathe. You don't go, that was a good breath. This breath's not so good. This is another good one. <laughs> we don't do that. And be, why? Because it is who we are. Your training has to become like that. And so to become like that, it has to become, from your subjective point of view, it has to become anticlimactic. You can't be looking for something with it. It's just what you do because it's who you are. When you, when you have an anticlimactic practice, you save yourself from all those downs that come from not reaching the climax. Because those downs, they're what's making it hard for you to get in here like you should. You end up having to wait for the good days. It's like, can you imagine? I'll take a breath when everything's just right. Does that work? That doesn't work. You don't want to come here and have these great moments and these great feelings. That's all you're chasing climax, man. 
He's not just breathing. So if I, if I have that view, and that's just my view, then I'll stick to the drill we're doing because there's nothing outside of it. There's no end to the drill. There's, there's no uh, thing the drill is pointed to. I just do the drill. My teacher knows what the drill's going to lead to. I don't need to know where the drill's going to go. So again, you know, it is what it is. I don't, I don't, I don't, it is what it is. I'm just going to say it. So I'm teaching the draw stroke, right? And the draw stroke is about economy of motion. You want to be fast. You can't waste movement. You, you can move your limbs through space and have as much muscular tension as you want, uh, but if you're wasting motion, a dude that is nowhere near that much muscle tension, nowhere near moving that fast through space is going to blow you away. So I'm trying to teach them about how not to move your body. I'm trying to teach the new deputies how not to move your body. Just keep still idealize we're gonna we're not running and gunning right now we just want to learn about economy of motion in the draw stroke so keep still head and spine don't go fast right now just draw and keep still head and spine you it's always little twitches head moves left hood moves right shoulders go up head drops do you see and you're like hey you moved your head don't move your head. What do you think they do? They keep moving their head. They keep moving it. Hey, you're moving your head to the right. You, you did it again. Here, I'm going to leave my finger here. Watch how you're going to touch. You like you touched my finger and you moved your head to the right. Do you see that? So look in the mirror. Watch. All that is like worth nothing because they task themselves with the end process, which to them is to feel fast. Do you see? So later we have them do these little drawing contests against each other. They're going to draw their pistols against each other, right? And they're, they're having fun because they're moving fast, but they think they're going fast because they're moving fast, you see? But their bodies are moving all over the place. Do you understand? And I was all like, okay, I can either let this go because I already did all the instruction, or I could just say, no, no. Okay, hey, stop. I know it feels like you're going fast. You feel like you beat your guy. Here, are you ready? Here I go. I'm going to draw. Whoa, boom. Dead. Guy's gun still in his holster. When I press the trigger, I had a headshot. Okay, you go first this time. Boom. Dead again. Your gun just cleared your holster and I shot you in the face. To me, that's very similar to Okay, you're going to muscle the smaller person. Well, what are you going to do when it's Taylor now? There's no, no way. He's going to lift you, he's going to spin you like a baton. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? And, and he's not even a big dude. Really. There's dudes that are near 300 pounds. Do you see? Why, we mu- why do we muscle? Because I, I do contests all over the place. All over, because that's what I do most of the time. Why? Well, I haven't integrated the teaching into my life. It's just an intellectual understanding. The intellectual understanding allows you to not integrate it into your life. The intellectual understanding actually is not integrating it into your life. To truly know it, like we mean, is to not know it. I can't find it. I like a fish in water. I don't know what water is. Because I can't see myself separate from it. 
how do I do that? Well, I got to start, stop chasing the climaxes of training. I got to stop chasing the eureka moments. I just do this. This is just what I do. I don't do it to get stronger. I don't do it to get healthy. I don't do it because it's the right thing to do. I just do it. The way a fish just swims in water. So if you if you go back to the diversity of the community, what are we seeing? We see people that just do it. And then we see people chasing things. That's, that's what's going on. This training, I know to you it might feel dedicated two hours a day. Oh, well, there's drive time. Don't forget drive time. It's really three hours, said say. Oh my gosh. This is not true asceticism. Three hours a day. Okay? You're here to learn one of the most sophisticated martial arts ever invented. In a practice whose goal is communion with God. And there's people that are playing fantasy football and giving more than three hours a day to it. There's people that are playing in softball leagues for plastic trophies and it's more than three hours a day. How pretentious are we? This is no big deal. But that's how you should make it. It's no big deal. I just do this. I don't have to be up for it. Even in my own home, I can see that. I have children that have figured it out and children that have not figured it out. And it's very hard for them to come. Conditions have to be right. This is, means it's not you yet. It's not you. Something you do. I want to find something I like. It's not you. Who says you're supposed to like this? Do you like breathing? That's why you breathe? I like breathing. Could you imagine that? Who can tell me how the lungs work? You like to breathe. <laughs> no, that is the wrong answer. Now, yes, of course, you'd be a fool. In today's world, you'd be a fool to not know that this training is needed and is good for you. You're living in an age of short attention span, immediate gratification. It's an age of nihilism. It's an age of superficiality. It's an age of mental illness. It's an age of fear. It's an age of weakness. It's an age of alienating social systems. You are in a sea of poison. And here you have a remedy. Yes, you do. But it cannot be a pill that you take here or there because that's that world. This has to be a world to compete with that other world.
if this is, does not become your world, it, it will not do those things for you. It just doesn't. If that other world remains your world, then that is who you are because that is what you do. And all you will do is try to make this training part of that world. But that world, as I already said, breeds weakness. And you are in a lion's den. And lions eat weak things. So sooner or later, the lion is going to eat you. Tear you apart. Don't get lulled. Don't go from trial member to trial member. What you'll see the more committed do is they take advantage of the trial members. Because the trial members allow for a spontaneity to be discovered within the idealized or prescribed training that trial members need. They don't know where to go. They do if you can make them go that way. And when it comes to making them go that way, you can force them or you can use Aiki. So anybody knows Aiki is much more difficult on people that have never experienced it. No matter how good the uke is, no matter how much you try to keep them alive, they know if I'm going to survive this thing, I'll maintain this relationship. They will, they will maintain. They will feel the aiki. They will feel the communion. And because they don't want to fall on their head, break their arm, they will maintain the communion. But the beginner doesn't know that. So the beginner continually is more terrified of the aiki. They're so terrified of the aiki because they are not in control. And that's terrifying to them. Because the world where they live in is fear's remedy is control over others. Now for some reason they're moving where they don't want to move. At race they don't want to move. Directions they don't want to go. And it's terrifying. So what do they do? They contest. Do you see? But that gives a skilled Aiki practitioner more opportunity. Ba they're basically doing Jiwaza in a Kihonwaza setting. That beginner will always constantly start pulling out, pulling out, pulling out, pulling out. But you can't slam them because you'll kill them. So that makes it harder. And you can't hit them in the face because they won't know what the heck's going on. So you have to task yourself, can you get this person that is disengaging every three hundredths of a second to be in a continual Aiki communion? That is a higher skill. So when the people that are learning or have learned how to make this a daily life, it's how to make this their world, 
When the new people come, they take advantage of that. They don't slam them. They don't muscle them. They keep working on this opportunity. And I can see on some of them, they kind of miss it when the beginner starts staying in the relationship. Because now they have to wait for GUAZA classes to do GUAZA. So even as you're working with him, yeah, he's muscling. Should you muscle back? No. You should not muscle back. You should use this opportunity. Let him muscle. His muscling is his problem. His muscling is sensei's problem, not your problem. It could be your training opportunity. Then the diversity in the community, you, it, it wouldn't affect you because you're, this is your world. It's not your world. This isn't a world of, that is yours if you can only do it with this uke or that uke. But if I don't want to lose to him, then I'm chasing the climaxes. And then I'm going to be sucked into his world. He muscles, I muscle. I find that to be the biggest problem with rolling is that you don't want to just roll. You want to win. And when you want to win, now you're contesting because now you're forcing things. But that, that wanting to win is not this world. That's the other world. And that's why you do it. But why do you do it? Because you haven't made this your world. Why haven't you made this your world? Because you're just chasing the big ecstasy moments, the big climaxes, these big things that require everything to be right. You can't just breathe. So you take advantage of things. Oh, the lion's asleep. Oh... The lion's playing with the cub. What a nice lion. That's why I post that lion story. So freaking fitting. Do you know the lion story? We'll have to post it again. <laughs> it's a movie. I hate referring to Hollywood, but... It's a movie, it's a Christopher Walken as a character. And he's telling a story in Christopher Walken personality, right? And there's, there's a lion, and he's the king of his domain, do you see? And this prairie, this is his. And he's just hanging out. He's just sitting there, looking out, buying his own business not doing anything, he's not hunting, he's not ki killing right now. So the lionesses come up and they start fucking with him, moving him around, go over here, taking the shade, making him move. So the cubs see it and they're like, fuck it. They come over and they start climbing on him, biting his ears, biting his tail. He's just taking it. It's not doing anything right. Jesus. But the hyenas see it. Like, fuck, this guy. Look at him. Those lionesses move him, abuse him. Look at those cubs just biting him. He's not doing anything. And they start moving into his territory, you see. They come in, they hunt his game, taking over on his trees claiming the territory everyone thinks he's just a gentle lion this is a pushover right 
until he gets up. You see all the power, all the rage. I don't know if you've seen these stories, these hyena versus lion wars. That male just gets up, boom, full charge into the pack of hyenas, just grabs the matriarch right by her neck, boom, shakes his big head, cracks her spine. Doesn't eat her, just spits her out. And he goes back to the shade and the lionesses are not pushing him around and the cubs are not biting his ears and tails. And they remember, oh yeah. It's an interesting thing. I was reading um, William Blake, a poet. And he has this one line on the lion. He says, the lion's wrath is God's wisdom. When I go back to my teacher, that's who I remember. That uncompromising Wrath was there because it's a wisdom that we were there for. How different we can let ourselves become in trying to do everything we can to ignore that wrath and to move away from it or to pretend it doesn't exist. We should not be surprised that lions do lion things. This concludes this episode of Budo, the Way of the Warrior podcast. For more information, please visit ascensioncenter.com S-E-N-S-H-I-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com or find us at Facebook at Ascension Center and on our YouTube channel at Ascension One. Thank you for listening.